Eans is proud to present the WHS Healthy Shab Speaker Series. This week, Ashley Edelstein from Austin Therapy and EMDR shares managing stress and anxiety during quarantine. You um, are now able to join via Zoom and maybe weren't able to get to the library when we were hosting them in person. Um, but I am one of the two student support counselors over on the high school campus, and we put on the speaker series for you. We um, wanted to continue doing the speaker series and thought it was a great idea to just add in some new topics that were applicable to what's going on right now, um, because it, of course this is completely an unprecedented time. So. We brought in um, Ashley Edelstein. She's wonderful. She's actually a speaker series veteran. She was with us last year. Um, and so we were really grateful to her to jump in on such a short notice to talk about this really important topic. Uh, but without further ado, I'm going to allow Ashley to take the floor, the screen. <laughs> and um, we're really in for a treat with her. She's wonderful. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet. Thank you, everyone, for coming to listen to me today. Um, I'm going to be talking about how to best manage your stress and anxiety while we're all kind of under shelter um, and beyond. I think that there are some, um, I try to include some good foundational tools, um, but also some of the maybe sort of underlying experience that we're having right now so that this can kind of just be like good foundational tools for you to use um, you know, now and beyond. So hopefully this will, oh, there it goes. Okay, great. So, um, and again, so I'm gonna start with just um, some definitions and just kind of going through the experience and just kind of noticing what might be kind of going on for everyone, talk a little bit about some of, um, not too much, but just a little bit of brain science and then get into some, some tools and, and ways to sort of counteract uh, how, you know, what the experience might be for you. So um, start by defining stress. And I really like this definition. Stress is what arises when something we care about is at stake. Um, and so I, I really like that because I think that there's a lot at stake right now. We're probably all feeling like the stakes are higher than we're really used to. So I imagine that we're all feeling really the weight of that stress. And so stress is going to manifest in our bodies. So that's going to look like racing heartbeat, sweating, clammy hands, maybe that like kind of that familiar like stomach ache that we get when we're just really not feeling well. And anxiety is gonna manifest more in your brain and your body. So it's actually both. So they're, they're pretty, they're similar, but, but different. So anxiety might look a little bit more like worried thoughts or catastrophic thinking, that kind of panicky, uneasy feeling that we get, um, maybe an elevated heart rate. Just um, again, it's gonna, so stress is gonna be more like just that like, yucky feeling that we get and anxiety is going to be kind of the thoughts and the feelings and everything associated with that. So um, I always kind of ask people to just start with noticing how has your anxiety been showing up for you? Is it that you're kicking yourself for not being better prepared? Are you going through every worst case scenario? Maybe you're zoning out or having trouble paying attention. Uh, maybe you're feeling irritable or unproductive, right? Think about how that's kind of showing up in your head. And then I also want you to think about what somatic symptoms have you been experiencing? Do you feel tense, achy, uncomfortable, uneasy, um, any sort of chronic pain? Um, maybe like you just feel like a weight on your chest. So I think it's really important to really pay attention and, and listen to our bodies and just, just see um, when we don't feel like ourselves 
there's usually some underlying anxiety or stress um, at play. And so it's really, really important to, to notice how that shows up for you. Um, and so you have probably heard of fight, flight, freeze. Um, so not to go you know, too much into it, but basically when we encounter something threatening, our sympathetic nervous system activates and that's gonna speed up our hearts. It's gonna send a message to our brain that we need to mobilize, right? So that the mobilizing is that fight, flight, freeze. And so this is a really important system, but unfortunately it can't really distinguish between um, a physical external threat and um, an internal emotional threat. And right now we're kind of dealing with both, which is probably why we're all kind of pretty dysregulated right now. So the, the problem is that whether you see an oncoming car coming at you or you feel worried about the future, you're gonna feel some of that same fight, flight, freeze activation. And so that's really helpful when it's an external threat, but when it's internal, we tend to turn that, um, that activation inward. And so that might look like, you know, we fight through self-criticism and blame. We might, you know, flight through numbing ourselves or isolating and we freeze by just kind of worrying and ruminating, right? So ruminating, just kind of getting on a like looping anxious thoughts. So um, kind of the same uh, looking at how does your anxiety show up? I want you to also think about if any of those um, states feel very, sound very familiar, you know, kind of thinking about what's, what's my go-to strategy, right? I find that I tend to get stuck in a freeze response, right? Like I just kind of sit and overthink stuff, maybe I ruminate, um, and if I don't notice that I'm, that I'm doing that, it's really easy to get stuck in it and over-identify with whatever's happening, right? And then it just sends me into a tailspin. So that's, that part of your nervous system is going to handle, again, like activating you. So the other part of your nervous system that's going to kind of deactivate what we call the rest and digest, right? So you've had a threat, you've mobilized, you've done what you needed to do everything's okay, your, your brain realizes that, you know, all right, we're good to go, and then now we can rest and digest. So one of the quickest ways to engage that part of your nervous system to kind of help you calm down is by taking a deep belly breath. And this is more than just like, oh, just take a deep breath. It really is very specific and intentional. So the easiest way to do that, and it's kind of hard to show you, but like putting a hand on your chest, put a hand on your stomach, and then make the hand on your stomach move. So that a good way to practice that if you're not sure is just kind of like sucking in your stomach and kind of stretching it out, right? So it's a much more intentional, deeper breath. And research shows that making the exhale longer than the inhale um, stimulates that very specific part of your nervous system that promotes the rest and digest. So again, it's more than just like take a deep breath. It's a very specific breath. Inhale, inflate your stomach, hold, exhale longer than the inhale. And then this is going to just give you a chance to take a beat between um, what you're, you know, like that um, fight, flight, freeze and what we do about it, right? We just want to kind of take a pause there. And if you're trying to teach this to your teen or, or a younger child, um, I always suggest just having them lay down and put a book on their belly and just watch the book move up and down. Just to give them an idea, because I think sometimes when I teach this to teens, they think that they're taking a deep breath, but they're really still up here. You gotta make sure you're down in your belly or you're, this is actually where the, um, the activation is, like if we need to mobilize. So you could actually make it worse, you could hyperventilate. So that's why I think it's really important to just again, like slow down and be intentional. And so 
I think so kind of enough of the brain science. So I want to talk um, about a little bit more about kind of strategies to help us. And I think right now, most of us are feeling pretty out of control, right? Because our brains really don't like uncertainty. So we're all really struggling right now in a world that feels very out of control. And I think we're getting a lot of messages to look for like, what can I control? And while that is pretty helpful, I really like this idea of instead maybe asking yourself, what can I choose in this situation? What choices do I have? Right, because there's really not a whole lot that we can control. You know, we don't have control over our thoughts and feelings. Those can be automatic. Of course, we can conjure something up, but we really can't choose kind of what, what comes up for us. Um, we can choose our behaviors, but we don't really have control over the outcome of our behaviors, right? Like we could do everything perfectly and still not get the outcome that we want. So I like that the shift into choices it really resonated with me because there's this idea that we always have a choice, right? And we may not like that choice. So it's not to say that um, I'm always making choices that I like. I just always am able to make a choice. And I think that's really important because again, um, it's not about like finding ways to, to control things because I think that just gets us into that out of control feeling even more. It's really about looking at um, beyond just um, these minor things that I can control. Because when you start to think about choice, then you can sort of ask yourself, you know, okay, what kind of person do I want to choose to be in this situation? What personal qualities do I want to bring? What choices in line with my values? You know, what are our family values? What are, what choices are we making that uphold those values? Um, and also, and this is pretty important, what choice is going to help me feel safe in this moment? Especially for those moments that um, you know, maybe we get something delivered and we just feel icky or germy and we just don't feel safe, right? Or maybe one of our, maybe our partner or kid is not feeling very safe. So to be able to kind of just slow down and go, what choice is going to help me feel safe right now? And I think this also kind of touches a little bit on um, that idea of, you know, grounding ourselves in the present. So grounding literally means we look at where am I in space and time? Let me just literally feel my feet on the floor. You know, what's going on right now? Because anxiety is gonna take us to a different time and place. Anxiety is not rooted in the present. It's really looking at past mistakes, future worries. It really doesn't leave a lot of room for what's happening in front of us. And I think also I just wanna to touch on very briefly, like I think that anxiety gets a really bad rap. Anxiety is a really, really helpful adaptive function when it's a manageable amount, because that is what tells us, oh, I've got past mistakes that I need to learn from. Oh, there are these things that I'm kind of a little worried about in the future. Let me prepare you know, today. That's what gets us moving. That's what helps us take action. But when we have an unmanageable amount, then again, we go into that fight, flight, or freeze. We become paralyzed, and it, it's actually the opposite of helpful. So sometimes the same, the same mechanisms that are helpful in certain contexts are just not helpful in others. So again, that's why I'm always pressing, just be mindful and notice how that's kind of coming up for you and notice um, when you're not feeling very present. And so a, a kind of a good way to notice is like, take a, a deep breath. Like we talked about, how am I feeling? Do I feel safe in this moment? If the answer is yes, we want to sit with that just for a little bit, just soak that in. And if the answer is no, what choice can I make right now to feel safer? And so sometimes that can be feeling, like I said, like feeling your feet on the floor, naming the things around you, engaging your five senses. Um, and this is a great tool that I give to um, kids and teens and adults too, is the um, five, four, three, two, one 
grounding where you just kind of name all the things around you. Um, what can you see? Five things that you can see, four things you can feel, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing that you can taste, right? And then it just kind of gets you out of that fight, flight, freeze, and just really grounds you in what is in front of me and just reorients you to the present moment. So I think that's going to be helpful um, for kind of the next, the next piece here, the idea that there is a big difference between um, healthy distraction and avoidance. So a lot of us, whether we do or not, you know, whether we have a lot of free time or not, we're, we're probably trying to, you know, keep busy. And I think that how you keep busy is super, super important. Probably one of the most important things because there's such a big difference between avoiding things and having healthy distractions. So avoidance might look like mindless scrolling on your phone. It might look like overconsumption of something. So that could be news, that could be media, could be substances, whatever that is. Um, we're on autopilot and we don't feel great. There's that underlying easiness. It's like when you're kind of putting off doing something and you know, you're, you're watching Netflix and you're not even enjoying it, like you're not even watching the show. Healthy distractions are things that we do intentionally when we're not feeling well to help us cope. So this is recognizing that something's wrong. We're not in the right headspace to handle it in that moment and we're gonna come back to it. So you're choosing to do something that it, you know, energizes you, fills you up, um, so you can come back and, and sort of deactivate. And I think if you recognize that you're in any kind of you know, repetitive thought cycle or something like that, you take a deep breath, you ground yourself, and pick an immersive activity. That's gonna be the best way if you're just really not feeling well, and it could be taking a walk. It could even just be like if it's raining out, you know, do some jumping jacks, just something that's going to kind of get your body moving, do something with your family, play a video game, whatever that is, right? It just needs to be something that you can kind of immerse yourself in. And I think that the healthy distractions are so important because it really reduces that guilt. I think that we all feel that we have to be productive all the time, right? I think there's also a lot of messages like if you don't come out of quarantine, like learning a new language or, you know, completely mastering a skill like you're lazy, which is garbage, right? We also, you know, it's like there's time for that, but then there's also, we need time to, we need time to rest and, and re-energize and problem solve. And we can't do that if we always feel like we have to go, go, go. So, um, I, I, so I like the idea of really reducing that guilt. And when you're doing stuff intentionally, you don't have to feel guilty about it because you, you have your reasons. It's in line with your values. So self-care is going to be really, really important. And again, that is, uh, goes just beyond kind of you know, taking a bubble bath. That's really just the things that energize you, they recharge you, it's meaningful stuff, gives you a sense of purpose. And I think it's really important, I'm suggesting to everyone to really create a, a list of things that you enjoy doing, whatever that is, right? Put up a little visual reminder or set a phone reminder or whatever it is. If there's something that you've been meaning to do more that feels that sort of re-energizing, remind, just set a reminder or put, um, put a post-it on your bathroom mirror, whatever that looks like, right? However you typically remind yourself of stuff, just don't rely on always remembering stuff. Like we have, we have to remind ourselves of things. We have to use kind of the tools that we have because that's, that's really how we cope ahead. If I'm really not feeling well and I'm just really frustrated and I don't want to do anything, it's going to be really hard for me to conjure up um, compassion and self-care in that moment because I just feel like garbage. So 
One thing I've been finding super helpful in terms of building structure is what I call the two hour rule. So I, I kind of do this myself and I've been suggesting this to people, but I don't really do anything for more than two hours in a row with exceptions like something social, like if it's an outdoor activity or it's a social happy hour or something like that. It's really mostly when I'm at home with free time, I'm going to set a timer if I need to. And the reason that this is really super helpful is that this is going to help you, and this is great for your kids too, really help you diversify the things that you're doing at home because we want to switch between consumption and creation. So this idea of like input versus output, like what am I inputting and what am I outputting? And when we get polarized with this, too much consumption is going to look like, you know, binge watching stuff, only playing, you know, maybe your kids are playing Animal Crossing right now, you know, eight hours a day, right? Like they're just doing too much and feeling like garbage or feeling kind of lazy or avoidant. And I think too far on the other side, on the creation side, really looks like that feeling, that guilty feeling of, like I mentioned, feeling having to be productive all the time, go, 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 I've got to learn a bunch of new skills, I've got all this housework and, you know, got to help the kids with school, I've got to do this, got to do that, right? And we feel inadequate when we don't get it all done or frazzled if we do manage to get it all done. So a healthy balance is going to look like going back and forth between the two. So watching things that you enjoy, listening to music, making things, creative activities, journaling, doing something social, and also getting stuff done like housework or regular work um, or whatever else that you kind of have to do. And that kind of helps us not over rely on anything. So if I've, you know, just consumed something, ask myself, okay, I've just consumed something, what can I create? Or vice versa, right? So I've just, um, you know, done a bunch of house, I just cleaned my whole kitchen. Okay, well, you know, now I need to maybe call someone or I need to watch something or I need to just kind of flip back and forth and, and really just find that balance. And so I want you to kind of think about what does that look like for you right now? Does that feel imbalanced? Where do you think that you can make some choices to find more balance there? And thinking about too, do we as a family lean one way or another, you know, whether we're separate or together and how can we diversify there, right? So if you're noticing that you feel imbalanced or you're noticing that your partner is or your kids or whatever, it's a great, obviously we're together all the time now, it's a great opportunity to really have a good conversation about how do we care for ourselves? How have we been feeling? What are we doing together as a family? You know, what are we doing separately, right? Finding that good balance between solitude and isolation, right? Solitude is very great. We, need, we all need alone time. You can easily become isolated when you spend too much time by yourself. Um, and we can also, on the other side, kind of get on each other's nerves if we're together all the time and we're not getting enough solitude. So again, my, my you know, whole life thesis is basically about you know, where, where's the balance? What does balance look like? And so another really important piece is gratitude. And I think that um, some of you might be rolling your eyes. So I want to make sure that, um, you know, to talk about gratitude is really not an attitude, which is a bummer because it rhymes, but it's really a practice. And I think sometimes when we talk about gratitude or finding the silver lining or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever that looks like, it is often kind of framed as ignoring the struggle 
right? Like, let me just like, there's a cloud, but let me find the silver lining and just forget about the cloud, right? Kind of minimizes the, the suffering, the struggle, whatever that looks like, right? And I think the, the most important piece that I always tell my, that I tell clients or whoever that I'm talking to about this is that the silver lining really doesn't negate the cloud and vice versa. They, they coexist. And I think that's really, really important. Um, I really like this phrase that our brain is like Velcro for the bad and Teflon for the good. We are really wired towards negativity because that fight, flight, freeze, that, that activation system, always scanning for threats, because that's the thing that we have to protect ourselves against. We don't have to protect ourselves against anything positive. So our brain's just going to kind of let that go. Um, and it's really going to focus on like, if we, if you notice how, you know, oftentimes when we're unsure of things, we're going to automatically go to worst case scenario because that's the thing that we have to plan for. We have to plan for best case scenario. So in this way, gratitude really helps us work against our innate instinct, instinct to actively cultivate this good. Um, and so I, I like the activity of, you know, maybe at dinner time or whenever, you know, you're, you and your family are together, just go through high, high and low of the day. And why, the reason that this is really important is that you're modeling for your kids how to hold space for both good and bad. Because again, we don't want to be too overly negative, but we also don't want to be too overly positive. We, because it's like, if we're, if we're overly negative, we're going to miss the good. We're going to always be stuck in the bad stuff that and a lot of which is not even necessarily going to come true, right? But if we're overly positive, then we're in a way ignoring our own struggles and ignoring our own suffering. We don't want to do either of that. Back to kind of healthy balance. Healthy balance looks like being holding space for both, being realistic that there is both good and bad happening right now. And one thing I've been noticing is that when we're finding those, that silver lining, when we're finding those things that we are grateful for, whether it's, you know, more quality time with people that we didn't have before, more time to just sit and be with ourselves, thinking about what elements of that do I want to take into my, you know, regular life. Now, obviously we're all unsure of, you know, what is life going to look like after the shelter's lifted the next year, year and a half, five years, we don't know, right? But there's this idea that if you can kind of step back and go, you know, what have I, what have I been grateful for? What are the things that I haven't had before that I have now? And that might just be like one little piece of like a big struggle and that's okay because we want to take that, even just that little piece into your everyday life. Like if you're noticing that I want to have more quality time with my family, I want to have more time for myself. You know, maybe I have been overscheduling myself or maybe I haven't, you know, pursued certain hobbies that I've been wanting to have felt too guilty about it. Um, you know, whatever that looks like, you know, just think about how, how can I bring that into, you know, my everyday life. Um, and then that also kind of shifts me a little bit into what we call radical acceptance. So I really like this idea of radical acceptance because it basically says that I don't have to like something to accept it. I don't like a lot of what's happening right now. I'm sure most of us do. It really kind of sucks. I accept that it's happening and I don't like it. So there's this helpful equation that goes, 
pain plus resistance equals suffering. I think we're all in a lot of pain right now because again, this just really sucks. And when we resist that, that's really what causes our suffering. So again, kind of in the same way that we're holding with the gratitude that we're holding space for both the good and the bad, we are holding space for both the struggle that we're having, the, the wish that it wasn't this way, and the acceptance that it is this way. And one of the reasons that this is really helpful is when we accept reality, that allows us to make choices. So kind of, you know, speaking back to that idea of, you know, making choices, what kind of choices do I want to make? So something, something to kind of think about is, you know, what does your resistance look like for you? How do you know when you're kind of resisting reality? You know, for me, it kind of feels like a helpless frustration. Like if I notice that I'm starting to just get like really angry or really frustrated and feeling kind of helpless, that really tells me, you know, there's something here that I really don't like and I'm resisting it. And then once I kind of know that and recognize that, then I'm, that opens me up to the opportunity to kind of ask myself, what choice would be helpful right now? You know, I'm stuck in my helpless frustration. I don't like this. I don't, again, with the control, like I don't have control over this and I wish that I did. And it's okay to wish for that and accept that you don't have it, right? So asking myself what choice would be helpful right now and whether that's to be more accepting, what choice would help me feel safer, what, help, what choice would help me in some way. And if I'm asking that to myself and I don't know, I just don't have the answer to that. Sometimes we might feel a little bit kind of like, oh, I don't know what to do. And then that really just tells you, I just need to ask for support. Because I think one thing that's super duper important here, we all know is that we really don't have to completely rely on ourselves. And I always tell people, you know, make sure that you have a diverse support system, right? We don't want to over, again, just like we don't want to over rely on any one thing, any one coping strategy. We don't want to rely on any one source for support. And so thinking about what your support system looks like, that could be like if I'm relying too much on myself and I'm not asking for help, or it could be I'm really just leaning you know, completely on my partner, or I'm leaning completely on a friend or whatever that looks like. We really want to make sure that we are kind of widening that circle and, and allowing that us to be included in, you know, other people's support system, right? Like leaning on each other so that we don't feel um, like we're, you know, completely isolated or we're completely stuck when we kind of don't know how to support ourselves or we don't know what to do. So um, I, we're just going to be stuck on this radical acceptance slide for a bit because I, um, I had some other stuff to talk about if I had time. And so I don't have slides for that. So we're just going to radically accept that. So I think that just kind of touching on the support system, obviously pretty rudimentary that we want to stay in touch with friends and family or support systems during this time. And one thing I kind of keep hearing that I, I really like, and I do sort of hope it catches on is we're not really social distancing. We're physical distancing. I mean, if anything, I think a lot of us feel, we, we feel the want for that, that physical connection, but a lot of us are really more socially connected than we've ever been, right? Because you know, now I have time to talk to people I haven't normally had time for. Now I can put together 
you know, social happy hours with people. Now we can just hop on a Zoom call or FaceTime or whatever that is. Um, whereas before, maybe I wouldn't be able to. Maybe I'd be at my office or maybe I'd have to be running errands or taking the kids to this or that or activities, right? Um, so I think since this has, I think, been so hard for us and just feeling so restricted and I think, I think words are important. I think the semantics of this are, are important to say that I'm not social distancing, I'm physical distancing. And the reason this distinction is also important is to notice, have I been social distancing? Like, have I not actually, do I not feel more connected with people? Um, do I actually feel less connected with people, right? For whatever reason. So it's really important to notice that and really make that shift towards I'm just physically dist distancing because, you know, if let's say you have a neighbor that's a friend, right, or you, you know some people in the area, you know, I know people that are kind of just standing on each end of their driveway and talking or they're, you know, parking their cars in a parking lot and just kind of yelling at each other across the parking lot, right? You're still getting the social aspect of that. We're just literal physical distance. So I think getting very literal about it rather than that sort of um, like the emotional piece of it. And so I think um, thinking about not just how often we are connecting with people, but how are we connecting, right? So um, this is probably a good kind of time for boundaries, right? So thinking about which interactions am I having feel draining or feel energizing, right? And you start to be very mindful of that. Um, it's the same process as really noticing your consumption of things, kind of what I talked about earlier, right? Like if I know I need to limit news consumption because every time I put on the news or every time I'm kind of scrolling on my phone, I feel like garbage afterwards. And that tells me that I really need to limit that. So it's the same process of that is noticing are any of my interactions right now feeling very draining and what about it feels draining to me? And then once you start to notice that, it allows you the space to actually have a little self-compassion and create boundaries. So whatever that looks like, asking for what you need, right? So whether that is you need extra support from someone that you don't maybe normally get support from, right? Maybe it's more fun activities. Maybe it's helping someone else diversify their support system. Like if you feel like there's someone completely relying on you alone, and it, again, you're walking away from these interactions very drained, um, you know, putting good boundaries, you know, good, good boundaries is, is, is actually very um, benevolent, even if we feel guilty or we feel bad about it, right? If someone's calling you every day, panicking or constant updates, like they're sending you, you know, I've even heard, you know, my family members sending me, you know, constantly sending me um, conspiracy theories, right? Stuff that we just don't want to see, right? Maybe you just want to not have every conversation to revolve around um, coronavirus. Maybe you're like, I don't even want to hear that phrase again right now. I just don't want to, I just don't want to deal with it, right? Maybe you need a boundary there of just limiting um, how much you're going to talk about certain topics, right? And really like acknowledge that this sucks. And we can also kind of talk about other things. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a time for deeper conversations if everything always kind of just revolves around what am I doing, right? This is giving us an opportunity to how am I being? And it sounds kind of cheesy, but you just kind of start to think about um, 
you know, I have all this time to be with myself that we normally don't because there's, there is this very big societal narrative around, again, um, what am I doing? What am I producing? Again, that consumption versus creation. You know, if you're, we're sort of celebrated for over creating or overdoing. And while again, to, uh, to a point that's incredibly, that's a good thing. And there's just going to be stuff that we have to do, but again, that, that balance there and making sure that I'm using this time to really be with myself, really connect with what's important to me, right? What am I really anxious about? You know, kind of tying it back to that. What am I really worried about? What am I really anxious about? What are, what are, what am I telling myself right? How am I responding to myself? That's sort of that fight, flight, freeze that we talked about and kind of taking care of yourself. And now, you know, what is important to me? What is important to my family? I've been suggesting to people, you know, if you're feeling kind of out of sorts, doing a value exploration. Up until now, you know, have my actions been in line with my values? Do I need to do a little bit of a value exploration to, to kind of recalibrate that a little bit, right? Because again, right now, um, you know, maybe the new number one value is just physical safety, right? Health and safety. And those values are going to change and shift, right? And those, those things change and shift every single day. You know, if you've got to go to work, work is number one, family's number two. When you're done with work, family's now number one, work is number two. And, and you know, so again, all of that is going to shift around. And so I think part of this managing your stress, managing your anxiety is really figuring out like the core, that core of safety, because I can really find a core safetyness in my values, in what I'm doing and the choices that I'm making. So I think the, the other thing that um, I wanted to touch on is I think for, for a lot of us right now, I know for me, like the hardest part is not knowing whether I'm underreacting or overreacting. Because at least for kind of our modern times, this feels very unprecedented, right? Like we kind of, I mean, it's kind of a mess out there and we, we don't really know how, like we keep getting kind of new information every day. We keep being told what to do and then stuff changes or you get conflicting information. And that can really also cause a lot of this um, unsettled anxiety. Like I don't know if, you know, scrubbing myself down every time, you know, I come home or scrubbing down every, you know, spot of something that gets delivered I don't know if that's an overreaction. I don't know if not doing that is an underreaction. There's, it's really, we don't know, right? So I think noticing that, noticing if you're struggling with worrying about how you're reacting to what's going on. So not just how are we reacting to um, how we're feeling and being with ourselves, but how am I reacting to like my environment, to what's going on around me? Am I managing that well? You know, do, am I, arguing with my partner about what's a good, you know, maybe I'm overreacting, they're underreacting, right? Or maybe I'm telling them that they're underreacting, or I'm telling them that they're overreacting, right? Um, getting into conflict about, you know, what this means, right? So I, I think, again, with that healthy balance is noticing and um, hearing each other's perspective and really figuring out, um, you know, if every time I don't feel well, do I start to panic? Do I really start to freak out? Do I lash out? You know, do I lash inward? You know, how am I responding to myself when I'm, when I'm starting to get, you know, really anxious or, or I'm not feeling well? Um, you know, maybe every time I have to walk into the grocery store, I'm feeling really anxious. So I think that, um, you know, again, 
really the foundation here is being very mindful. And I always tell my clients, like, if you're kind of noticing things feel off, make a U-turn, see how you're feeling, right? What's going on? If I'm, you know, going into a situation that I know is triggering for me or is really stressful, I'm going to need to cope ahead, right? And so again, noticing that, that's where that uh, kind of when I talked about at the beginning, noticing the foundation of my anxiety, how is that showing up for me? Am I dreading going to the grocery store days in advance? You know, am I dreading things? Is it just that underlying sense of just everything is just harder and I'm just dreading everything that I have to do? Again, we really want to be aware of that, bring some kindness to that. And we kind of want to ask ourselves again, like, what do I need to feel safe in this moment? And um, if I'm not sure what time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, kind of the last piece that I want to talk about is this idea around um, not borrowing a problem. So again, part of that fight, flight, freeze, part of the ways that our brain deals with uncertainty is by, again, like we talked about, or I talked about coming up with um, every worst case scenario, right? Because again, that's the stuff that we have to plan for. However, our brains kind of don't note the fact that, you know, 99% of the time, worst case scenario doesn't happen, right? So I usually kind of ask people to notice like, okay, what is worst case scenario? What is best case scenario? What's most likely to happen? Now, this is a little, this has been a little bit more challenging with what's going on with this pandemic because we're like, we really don't know. Like we kind of know what the worst case scenario is. Um, we're kind of not even totally sure about best case. We're like, I don't know, a vaccine in like next year? What? I don't really know, right? Things kind of go back to normal. Um, and then most likely, I have no clue. I really don't know. It really is just could go either way. I have no idea, you know? So this idea of don't borrow a problem. So um, when I'm thinking about all the really scary stuff, if I can go, you know, how, what choice can I make to feel safe in this moment? And anything beyond that is a problem that I haven't encountered yet. I can't do anything about a future problem um, beyond, you know, again, making a choice today to do something, right? So if I am kind of like, well, I've, you know, cleaned my house and I haven't left the house or I've been, you know, really careful, you know, whatever that looks like however you're making that choice in that moment, um, if I'm still worrying about that or I'm still thinking about it or dreading it, anytime you're dreading something, especially if, if it's something that may never materialize, you're borrowing that problem. So there's been plenty of times where I've really dreaded something or you know that just never came to fruition or really worried about something. So I will constantly, my husband and I will do this together, like, hey, are you borrowing a problem, right? Or I'll kind of tell myself, that's not a problem that I want to um, borrow today, you know? And then again, I make a conscious choice for a healthy distraction if I'm just really not coping well. And again, all the stuff that I'm talking about is um, stuff that you guys can share, kind of talk about as a family, kind of, you know, ask your kids, like, are you borrowing a problem here? You know, all these kids probably worrying about like, I don't know what I'm going to do about school. Like, is this going to be the rest of the year? I don't know what I'm, you know, I don't know what's going on or I don't know how to handle this or whatever. I don't know when I'm going to see my friends again. It's like, we just don't know. So we, we really have to kind of help ourselves and help our, the people that we care about notice, am I getting into kind of an activated state that fight, flight or freeze? 
am I criticizing myself? Am I really numbing myself or avoiding, you know, am I getting stuck in um, my suffering? You know, the pain plus resistance equals suffering. Am I borrowing a problem? You know? Um, and so I, again, I think that these are, these are really, really helpful things that I well, hopefully helpful that um, I want you guys to really just be mindful again of what is showing up for me daily. And if you need to kind of like with the self-care stuff, um, you know, set a little daily reminder to just do like a body scan. How am I feeling? What do I need? Right. I'm feeling like garbage or whatever. Right. And I don't know what I need. Okay. I need to reach out for support or mm, I need to just do something very nourishing right now, or I need to spend, you know, social time with my family or I need to call some or whatever. Right. Whatever that looks like. Um, that to me is the best way that you're going to manage your anxiety and your stress is really noticing how it's showing up for you and noticing how you're responding to it. And once we notice that, we can kind of ask ourselves, like, does that feel helpful, right? So if I'm noticing that I'm, that I'm feeling unsafe, right, I'm asking myself, you know, what choice do I want to make, right? And maybe my go-to strategy, like what I talked about at the beginning, is to um, get stuck in a rumination, right? Just thought after thought after thought after thought. And then I've got to ask myself, am I learning anything new? Does this feel helpful, right? And so if it's not feeling helpful, then what choice can I make that feels more helpful in this moment? You know, if you notice that your partner or your kids are doing that, what choice can you make right now that would be helpful? Um, so again, I, I think that I'm hopefully ma I'm making sense um, that really just comes down to um, noticing responding in a helpful way and what that looks like. And same with um, your family. So um, yeah, so that's, that's it. I hope I'm done a little bit early. Um, hopefully I didn't speed through that too quickly, but um, I, hope, I hope that made sense. And I just kind of want to thank you all for, for listening to me, you know, ramble a little bit here. Um, and again, reminding yourselves that you're, you're doing your part, you're physically distancing, not socially distancing, and just really getting in a, a good daily habit of just asking yourself, you know, what do I need in this moment? What choice can I make in this moment? And yeah, so I hope that was helpful. So thank you so much, Ashley. I really appreciate all that. I've personally found it helpful. So hopefully good, I yay. well. <laughs> thank you for joining us. If you're interested in the archive video recording of this session and any corresponding handouts or resources, please visit the WHS Healthy Shaps website at healthyshaps.weebly.com.